The mysterious alien abduction of a eight-year-old boy near Sweden in 1922. In 1922, an eight-year-old Swedish boy decided to play with a classmate after school and then walked home past a peat bog in a forest. Suddenly, he became an eyewitness to a very strange event, which he decided to tell reporters only dozens of years later. Outside Sweden, this story is practically unknown, while it is very interesting for everyone who is fond of ufology. It happened a very long time ago, in 1922. It was an ordinary spring day. Eight-year-old boy Austin Engström lived with his parents in the small village of Orsta, southwest of the Swedish city of Kolsva. Since it was already quite warm and the snow had almost melted, after school Austin, together with his classmate friend Holger, decided to play in the yard near Holger's house. After that, Austin went home. He had to walk about three kilometers to the house. It was a rural area where the fields intersected with the forest. Austin was too lazy to go home and decided to take another walk in the nearest forest. He walked past the peat bog and just wanted to enter the forest when something that remained a mystery to him forever happened. Suddenly, different animals began to run out of the forest: deer, hares, moose, squirrels, badgers, and others. There were a lot of them, and they fled on purpose, as if someone was following them. They ran towards the peat bog when the sky suddenly darkened strongly, and then a strange light appeared above. I looked up and saw three gray objects hovering silently above me. They were so close to me that I could easily throw a stone at them. The objects pulsed as if they were breathing, and I saw two dark lines on them. Above the forest, two more objects floated. They were larger and darker than those that were above me. More Austin did not have time to see anything, as he lost consciousness or was deliberately knocked out. When he woke up, he was lying on the road near the forest on the ground, and the time was already evening and much colder than during the day. The boy felt that he was very cold. Austin felt strange, as if he had worked for a long time and was very tired. It was very difficult for him to get home, and on the way he noticed that it was already 19:30 on the clock. That is, about four hours had passed since he saw the animals running out and flying objects. Somehow Austin made his way to the house, where he had to tell his worried mother where he had disappeared, and no one believed him because, as it turned out, they had been looking for him for several hours. Back at 15:30, Austin's older brother Gustav rode a bicycle to school, where he was told that Austin had gone for a walk to Holger's house. After that. Gustav drove to Holger's house, where he was told that Austin had gone to his home. Then Gustav drove along the road on which everyone usually walks, including he drove past that very peat bog and forest, but he did not see anything strange there. Considering that the time was still bright, there was no chance that Gustav could somehow fail to notice Austin lying on the road, unless, of course, the boy was lying there and not somewhere else. What happened to the boy? Where was he these four hours? Now ufologists will boldly say that the child was cornally abducted by aliens, but in those years no one believed Austin. He was considered a liar who was just playing somewhere in the forest and did not notice that it was too late. Only very many years later, in the 90s, when the topic of UFOs and aliens appeared regularly in the newspapers, the aged Austin Engstrom decided to tell his story to journalists. An article about her was published on June 15, 1996, in the Swedish newspaper Expressen. Here are some of Austin's responses from that interview. Where was I at those hours? I estimate it was about four and a half hours. I didn't get home until half past seven or seven in the evening. I was almost whipped because they thought I was lying. They sent me to bed, and then I felt so bad that I stayed in bed for four days. Perhaps I caught a cold while lying on the cold road. 
It looked like all three objects pulsed at the same time. Just like the organs of an octopus work. They absorb water and move by blowing it out. It looks like the objects were using the same technique. They moved very elegantly, changed direction, and seemed to control this pulsation. Ellipsis. Where was I? Gustav rode his bicycle to this place while I was lying and he did not see me. I thought about it many times. Next story Gosta Carlson. The man who met aliens and got rich using their technology witnessed by many for some reason. This incredible story is unknown outside Sweden. Even when it is one of the most amazing stories in ufology. The eyewitness, Gosta Carlson, did not only see the aliens but with the help of their technology, he created his own business. UFO encounters is not something new and it keeps happening around the world and in a variety of forms. This enigmatic incident took place late on the evening of May 18, 1946, when a 28-year-old hockey player and beekeeper Gosta Carlsson was walking through the Kronoskogen Forest, Sweden, returning from Skeldervikan Beach, where he went to watch birds. When and where did Gosta Carlsson see the aliens? Gosta Carlsson was walking through a dark, peaceful forest, listening to the chirping of crickets when he suddenly noticed streaks of bright light nearby behind the trees as he climbed a small hill. This seemed very strange to him because generally, no person was expected to be in those forests late in the evening, so he moved forward in that direction and soon went out into the clearing. In the center of the clearing stood a brightly lit disc-shaped object, which at first seemed to the Swedish man, a carousel. It was difficult for him to recognize that what exactly the disc-shaped object was. After all, he had never seen a UFO before, and back then, even the term, flying saucer, was not invented let alone the stories of strange flying objects being published in the media. Less than a year had passed since the end of the Second World War, and the only known flying machines were airplanes and airships, and helicopters were still under development. Years later, Gosta Carlsson described the object he saw to the Swedish ufologist Klaus Svahn. It was shaped like a disc and stood on two telescopic supports. In the lower part, there was a lowering hatch with a ladder, like on ships, at a height of one and a half meters. I saw the light coming from the cockpit and tried to look there, but the view was too narrow and I saw only light. At the top of the object was an oval cabin about 8 meters in diameter, with oval windows at 1 meter intervals and approximately 30 centimeters high. While I was looking at this structure, I thought that someone was trying to mess with me, but then I thought that maybe this facility was built by German pilots and they were trying to escape from the POW camp on it. But deep down, I believed that there was something else on top of the cockpit there was something thick, like a periscope 4 meters high. It had that bright purple light source that caught my attention. Light along a strange curved trajectory softly enveloped the entire object and pulsed slightly like water in a fountain. The air smelled strongly of ozone. There were no joints or rivets visible anywhere on the hull, the cockpit and hull seemed to be created as a whole. As per Gosta Carlson, he stood there for a while, and examined the disc-shaped object, and then noticed a humanoid figure nearby. The stranger was dressed in a tight-fitted white suit with black boots and a belt, and a kind of camera was hanging around his neck. Then it suddenly turned out that next to this disc in the clearing, there were more humanoid figures of men and women. They all had blonde hair and looked like a typical Swedish or Norwegians. I saw three men near the windows of the ship, they were busy with some work inside. Then three girls appeared in front of me, all equally dressed in one-piece white suits with the same boots and belts. Each of them had a transparent hood pulled back around their neck. It was strange to see how they all looked at me as if I were an uninvited guest. 
I felt like a wild animal in a circle of light, a technique used by safari hunters in Africa. Then a dark haired girl came down the stairs from the ship. She had a bag in her hand, and then she began to distribute cups to all other men and women. They began to quit all work and began to drink from these cups. When I wanted to get closer to them, one of the men, who seemed to be acting as a guard, blocked my path, raising his hand as a stop sign. Everyone around me was looking at me with serious faces. Then I stepped back and everyone went back to their work and no one was looking at me. I felt a little depressed. Then Gosta Carlson decided that he had already spent enough time in the clearing and walked away from there. As he walked through the woods, he got the impression that he was hallucinating. He returned to the beach where he came from, sat for a while on the shore, and then saw a bright red light from the side of the hill. At first I thought it was the moon that had risen, but then I realized that it was not so. Slowly and majestically, the heavy object was rising up and now I clearly saw that it was a flying ship. It made a sound like a vacuum cleaner motor. It is in a crown of red light, and at an altitude of 400 to 500 meters, it slowed down and began to sway. I noticed that its large periscope antenna had been removed and that the landing legs had been removed as well. It was foggy, but I could see everything well. Then the disc tilted, the red light became brighter and then began to pulsate blink strongly, turning into the purple light. It repeated this sequence thrice and then disappeared into the sky over Angelholm. I stayed in the dunes on the shore, shocked by what I saw after the mysterious evening he has had. Gosta Carlson returned home, and as soon as dawn broke, he again went into the forest to the same clearing. He found heavily crushed and burnt grass with imprints from the supports, and two more mugs from which the ship's crew drank, in the same clearing. There was still a fragrant yellowish liquid in them. He also found a gold ring and a transparent crystal rod engraved with symbols very similar to the Scandinavian runes. In subsequent years, he repeatedly showed these objects to other people but did not allow anyone to examine them and never gave the objects away for any analysis. He also stated that he used to return to the clearing with a device, measuring radiation, and there was a strong, phono, there. In the 1970s, a small monument kind of thing, dedicated to the very UFO that he saw was erected on the Gosta Carlson Glade. This happened after he told his story to the reporters in 1971 and it was published in Swedish newspapers. The monument still stands there to even this day. It depicts a disc on supports with a large antenna on top. But the story of Gosta Carlson did not end there, it only became more curious. Claims that alien technology was being used to produce medicines in the 1970s, Gosta Carlson suddenly became the director of wealthy pharmaceutical companies, Cernel and Allergen, and he himself claimed, the medicines created in the companies were based on the alien healing drink that Carlson found in the cups left by aliens. Allegedly, these drugs slowed down aging, and therefore all the aliens he saw looked very young. Gosta Carlson also stated that the aliens have allegedly solved all their life problems, and have turned their planet into paradise. Their average lifespan is 400 to 600 years. From where did he get this information is not known. In the 1990s, Gosta Carlson was in close contact with the ufologist Klaus Swan and in 1995 his book entitled, The Meeting in the Glade, was published. Although Carlson and Swan became close friends and communicated a lot, the ufologist could not help but notice that there are many incomprehensible moments in Carlson's history as if the eyewitness had deliberately hidden something or distorted it. Even, when Gosta Carlson was close with the ufologist Klaus Swan, he never showed Swan and his team, his artifacts properly. 
He only showed them his artifacts briefly and did not let them have those artifacts in hands. He also did not allow Swan to delve into his personal archive, to look at the medical record and other details. When Carlson grew old and settled in a nursing home, all of his archives and artifacts from his home were immediately transported to another home. In 2003, Carlson died of a stroke and took all his secrets with him to his grave. Interestingly, his documents along with the artifacts have not yet been found.